wake up Well I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you When I go out Yeah I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you If I get drunk Well I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you And if I heave Yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, gonna be, be the man who's hebering to you. But Welcome back to Rotten Rewind, a podcast that looks back on the most critically maligned films according to RottenTomatoes.com. If a film fails to crack the 60% threshold that Rotten Tomatoes sets as its freshness standard, we get a revisit right here on the hottest podcast on Patreon only. Patreon. I'm Courtney Peranto. That's right. Yeah. I'm Max Roof. And it's it's a new month, which means we've moved on to a new miniseries within a miniseries because we already love miniseries so much. We just got to keep on putting miniseries in your miniseries. We're just going to keep giving it to you. That's the kind of shit we do here. But while we've been unpacking the concept of vulgar altruism over the last couple of months, we've been mostly discussing films from male directors. We're going to pivot <laughs> into some female directors because I think that with the canon of vulgar altruism, even though it's kind of a loose definition, I would say that most of the directors that are associated with that kind of subgenre are predominantly white male directors. So we wanted to dedicate a month of films to female auteurs that could easily fall into the subgenre because women be vulgar too. I think Catherine Bigelow is really the only one that is generally associated with that. Yeah, but her career has changed so much too that... Early Bigelow, not, anyway, not, anyway. not not Detroit Bigelow. For the next four weeks or, you know, your cycle, if you will, we'll be covering films from cult filmmakers like Susan Seidelman, Adrian Shelley, and Cindy Sherman. Controversial provocateurs like, ooh, how do you say her last name? Catherine... Brillat. Okay. Brilat. And Lena Dunham. <laughs> and Oscar-winning directors like the aforementioned Catherine Bigelow and Sofia Coppola. But today... We're kicking things off with two films I personally have been dying to talk about since we started talking about the podcast in general. First up, it's, I think, one of my favorite directors, period. Um, Seidelman's 1989 dark comedy, She Devil, starring a pre-Trump era, <laughs> Roseanne Barr and Begley Jr. and Meryl Streep. After that, we're leaping ahead to 2012 for Leslie Headland's directorial debut, Bachelorette. Uh, a film that I used to like literally teach at a college level. Um, wow. It's starring, yeah, to undergrads, those fucking poor bastards. Starring Kirsten Dunst, Lizzie Kaplan, Ilsa Fisher, and- Ilsa? Oh, Isla. sorry, Isla. Sorry. Isla Fisher, come Isla on. Isla Fisher. And someone who I think out of the cast, her star persona has changed a lot, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson, Yeah. She's second. sort of the Nicki Minaj to me of the cast, where it's like the way I used to feel about her has changed. Yeah, she, this is the second appearance by Rebel Wilson in this whole series. Joining us for this toxic double feature is a returning guest, a very talented writer, Casey Felton Louie. Hi. 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 You- Was there one of these movies that you were like, put me on for this one? or I remembered really liking bachelorette when i saw it for the first time uh so i was excited to revisit it and talk about it and you hadn't seen she devil right i had not i did not know such a movie existed so that was a revelation oh cool did have you ever seen desperately seeking susan i have okay it's my only it's the only Mm -hmm. film poster that i let myself hang but it's 
right there. Yeah, yeah I incredible. I, I, I fucking love that movie. I also love Smithereens. I'm a big Smithereens fan. You're you're more of a Smithereens fan than I am. I'm a big. I like Mister. Is it Mister Right? Making Mister Right. Making yeah. Mister Right. I'm a big She Devil. Making Mister Right. To me, desperately. Like to me, that's like kind of like a little trilogy for her. Have you had sure. the extreme pleasure of watching Making Mr. Right? I have not seen that or Cookie. Okay. Making uh, Mr. Right's really fun. It's almost like a proto um ma- uh Manic Pixie Dream Boy movie. It's mm-hmm. it's really fun. I, I think I do want to see it. Yeah. I know we've talked a, about doing those. Those are also really rotten. no, I had not ne- I, I just kept saving She Devil. I was saving it for marriage. She Devil, yeah. We always talked about doing it. And I said, well, I'll just wait. There's a few of those where I'm like, well, I'll just wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to experience it fresh. When um, I was little, my mom, my mom's the Asian one. She wouldn't let me have like an entire pack of candy. I could have like three, pe- like if it was like a Skittle, I could have like one of each color. And then I had to put it in my treat drawer. And so like She Devil has just been waiting in her treat drawer for us. Well, you said door. I was like, she, what, like she slid it under the door. No, no, no. It's a, <laughs> it's a treat a, now. One Skittle if I pose for a photo. <laughs> oh, man. I could have five Skittles if I was good all day. That's amazing. That is like the opposite. I used to get McDonald's every Thursday. Oh, no. <laughs> once once I got divorced, I was like on that train, too. Yeah. My mom tried for a while. She was like, I'm she like tried and tried. And then I wore it down. She was like, fuck it. Whatever. Just get a happy yeah, meal. Yeah. Once they're single, like they're fucked. Did you eat a lot of Happy Meals growing up, Casey? Oh, hell yeah. What you was like your Del order? Taco. Yeah, I'm a big Del Taco head, but um, Taco rocks. Yeah, it does. And I'm from Southern California, so it's like everywhere here. Mm-hmm. It signals to my brain that I'm in a familiar place. So Del yeah, Taco but, feels less like narcotic-y than Taco Bell. Like I like Taco I agree. Bell, but it feels like drugs. I ran yeah. clickbait for part of my living and I had to <laughs> eat the secret menu. And um, oh. yeah, it, it, it was, was a like, hard day for you. Yeah, I was like was telling Max that it was like the closest to just like cutting that I've done since like I was like a, I was like oh this is like self harm I didn't realize yeah. I thought it'd be funny you were having I, withdrawals when we recorded I remember no it was not having yeah. withdrawals like yeah. it was I do really like Mountain Dew is what I just like the other the Baja Blast Mountain oh Baja Dew? Blast is incredible. It's I don't think less. I've ever had a Baja Blast. Dude, I haven't had Taco know. Bell in a long time. I think it's you should like, get to a fucking drive-thru right now. Yeah, dude, you should post me. You can ask them to <laughs> do like a high in the car. You have a Baja Blast. <laughs> help me. Let me tell you, though, when you get that Baja Blast, you're going to be glad you did. There's a bunch of caffeine in it, too, so. No, I didn't. Oh, because there, what? Why? It's Mountain Dew. Yeah. Thing. Wait, isn't it food? No, a Baja What's a Baja a, Blast? I don't know what the fuck that is. It's a soda. It's a Melanie. Oh, I thought it so was. So Mountain Dew is like a temple of Taco Bell. I thought it was a taco that Mountain Dew like sponsored or something that they were like, we put a little Dew in No, the- Mountain Dew just like <laughs> makes their drinks and they also like make slushies. Wait, is Mountain Dew Pepsi? I don't know. Did Mountain they just Dew have Pepsi rocks. products at, at, at Taco Bell? So that's like when you go to Regal Theaters, because I'm so not used to going anywhere that has all Pepsi products anymore. And yeah. you go there and you just go, oh, this is dark. Like, you know, you're in a dark place when you see only Pepsi products at the concession stand. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I don't even think they have Mountain Dew, though. I think they I have. have to, um, my grandma was a Pepsi model, so I cannot comment. You know what was good was the lemon Pepsi. 
Crystal Pepsi. You know, it'd be a little more enthusiastic. It was good. The daughter was drinking a Pepsi in She Devil. I wondered if it was oh, yeah. some product placement. It was product yeah. placement. Also, Wild Cherry it's Pepsi sh- is better than Cherry Coke. Oh, yeah. yeah I haven't had wild. a Cherry Pepsi in a very long time. It's so good. I love Cherry Coke, so I'm now I'm interested. It's very, it's very good. I liked it. Where do um, I even get Pepsi, though? Regal Cinemas. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go to Regal. I don't want to see a movie. I just want Cherry Pepsi. <laughs> I'm not Can I just buy this. one Cherry yeah. Pepsi? Yeah, of course. That's how movie <laughs> theaters make their money that. anyway. They'd be like, for I'm not, sure. I'm not talking about the movies. I'm talking, I'm not going to Regal. You're supporting the arts by going to, they just filed for bankruptcy. Go buy a Pepsi from them. They need did help. They, oh, Regal. They I did. Was, yeah. I grew up yeah. going to Regal. Anyways. We're talking about, we're talking about women. We're not talking about Pepsi. We're talking about women making movies, something that they were just allowed to do a few years ago. And it's, <laughs> to me, these it's two movies, ride. <laughs> these two movies, like more than any of the other pairings, are more explicitly about like female rage. Sure. Yeah. yeah and like absolutely. how it manifests. And that to me yeah. makes me excited. So I, I looked through so many fucking movies for this. I, I looked through more movies for this particular month than any other month that we've done for the series because the idea of like what fits into like the quote unquote like vulgar style filmmaking right. of like what we've kind of been talking about with movies like The Counselor uh, and Painting Gain that are kind of gaudy and like, I don't know, like you don't get a lot of female filmmakers, unfortunately, that, that get put into that category. Even something like The Sweetest Thing is directed by a man. So movies that I would have thought were directed by women right. weren't. And then also there's not obviously as many films directed by women as men, but a lot of them are well received critically so and I, gonna... I think that's more of a recent thing i think now there's definitely a thing with some I'm not, and i'm not saying that as like a oh you just like that movie for like points or mm-hmm. whatever but i do think that there are a lot of male critics who are a little more sensitive to so. like oh i can't give this movie a i can't really fuck with this movie or like if if you're to be optimistic i do think that like men we read a lot of reviews at the end of the show here that are kind of like these dumb bitches like i I think that like dudes know a little bit better and like maybe the slot of camera kind of like i feel like we don't see that as much anymore so no i think (laughs) the closest you get is rex reed saying what did he call melissa mccarthy a fat pig or something in his that was still like 10 years ago okay yeah yeah. But yeah, 10 years ago. There was another one recently. There, I think it was something to do with Promising Young Woman. I, I believe oh, it's oh, someone yeah, it was at that, Variety or something. Someone at Variety that ha- like said that she wasn't hot enough to play that part. That I'm person yeah. probably just shouldn't have been the person to review that movie. I also other... think they kind of missed the point because I think part of the point of that movie that I like more than you is that she doesn't that she's like forcing herself to look away to play this part. Like I think sure. that there has to look something forced and that writer said that he, and like also like that's, that's a fine criticism, I guess, is that like he felt like it should have been played by someone hot. I think like he Margot said it Roby. should have been Margot Robbie yeah, yeah. who produced it. But yeah, I guess that's a whole other conversation about, you know, the idea of who should review a movie and who shouldn't. Yeah, there's definitely times where it's like, yeah, like you should definitely look into who is, who you're hiring to, write a review there was that whole thing with that movie turning red earlier this year where that white critic who was like i don't identify with this shit and it was kind of like well why is this guy even really reviewing Mm -hmm. this movie in the first place and also like if i saw a movie as a critic that i didn't like i was like i have nothing to say about this and i don't have any connection to it i would be like you need to get someone else to review this movie i can't review it you're not going to get a good review out of me for this like i have no connection to it as someone who's not white 
what I would say too is that like people that aren't white have been relating to people like Indiana Jones. Like we've been we've like we've been able to like have the emotional imagination to be like, okay, okay, okay. So like I get it. And then like make other things and like right. but I don't think that if you have been the center forever, I think that's like a really hard sure thing to negotiate, apparently. <laughs> no, yeah. that's very true. It's definitely something where, especially for this series, I think we noticed very early on that, yeah, it's mostly white directors that are associated with this. You know, I think you could make the case for a few Spike Lee films or even some of the Hughes Mm -hmm. Brothers earlier films. Then, yeah, as far as directors that identify as women, it's really just Catherine Bigelow and the Wachowskis. Those are the only uh, directors that really come up in the conversation. And we'll talk about the Wachowskis towards the end of this series. But to me, Seidelman is like the most natural Especially the the movie that we're about to talk about. Yeah. One of the greatest actresses of our time, hailed by critics and audiences alike, Meryl Streep. Now in her most romantic role, sensual, seductive, irresistible, and about to come face to face with the greatest challenge of her career. Roseanne Barr. Someone get this deranged woman out of here. Look like an angel. Meryl Streep. Talk like an angel. Roseanne Barr. Only one is the she-devil. You're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are. Devil in disguise. One of the pioneering filmmakers of the 80s new wave that included directors like Jim Jarmusch, Abel Ferrara, Alex Cox, and Penelope Spheris. I feel like she fits into that. She kind of came she up does. at that same time. She was pretty, very New york She's a real New York. Susan Siegelman, she betrayed the Big Apple in a way nobody's seen before. She burst onto the scene in the early 80s as the first independent American filmmaker to have their debut screened at the Cannes Film Festival, something I did not know. Um, Wait, with really? With the lo-fi punk classic Smithereens, yeah. Her follow-up, Desperately Seeking Susan, is probably the most enduring and beloved film of her career, a certified 80s cult classic that also happens to be the only film poster in Courtney's apartment, Mm -hmm. and was the uh, only real financial success of her career. It didn't cost much, and it not only made money... She got Madonna, who I guess the studio did not want. And she said, no, you got to get Madonna. Also, I didn't know Roseanne Arquette was uh, nominated for a Golden Globe for that movie. She's the best She's great in it. After that, Seidelman directed back-to-back bombs with the critically and financially rotten Making Mr. Right and Cookie, two films I'm sure we'll cover at some point. But the nail in the coffin for Seidelman was the 1989 adaptation of Faye Weldon's best-selling novel, She-Devil. Despite the financial failures of her previous features, Sidelman managed to wrangle Oscar winner Meryl Streep for her first comedic role, essentially. That's um, crazy. And comedian Roseanne Barr at the peak of her popularity for a different type of popularity. I guess I would say a good popularity. Yeah. Uh, in the 80s. Um, oh, the, I see. I for see. The, I for see the first run of her show. So she got these two and she got Ed Begley. Just a just a good guy. Just Ed, a just a real good guy who I used to see on the bus in the valley. The film follows Roseanne as frumpy, overweight housewife Ruth Patchett, who does everything she can to keep her handsome, waspy accountant husband Bob, played by Ed Begley Jr., and her two bratty kids happy. After Bob uh, falls for vain romance novelist Mary Fisher at a dinner party, they begin a not-so-discreet affair that culminates in Bob <laughs> leaving Ruth for the far more successful and conventionally attractive Mary Fisher. Ruth isn't willing to go down easy, though, and vows to make Bob's new life a living nightmare. 
She dumps their kids at Mary's mansion, upending Mary and Bob's honeymoon phase, gets a job at the nursing home where Mary dumped her foul-mouthed mother, Francine, in order to get her to reconcile with her daughter and further complicate Mary's perfect existence. As Mary's idyllic lifestyle deteriorates before her eyes, the comically scummy and very horny Bob has an affair with a new secretary, Ruth, has sent in to sabotage Bob's accounting business. So tight. Uh, More vengeful hijinks ensue, and both women discover that the real enemy is and always was the philandering loser, Bob. Yeah. It was Bob all along. And that's She-Devil. It's a good, that was a great synopsis. Thank you. I appreciate that. This was your first time with She-Devil, Casey? I had never even heard of it before, to be honest. Did Uh, you have fun? I did have fun. I really enjoyed seeing Meryl Streep in this type of a role. I know. She's she's in, um, what's the other one that she does that's like fun like this? Death Becomes Her, which we'll be doing Mm -hmm. next month. Yeah. It's like, this is like, she's so funny here. And I don't think she gets to do this anymore well at the time a lot of people were like oh Meryl Streep's like the best actress in the world but can she yeah. do comedy that was the whole conversation in the 80s God, she's so fucking funny here yeah I'm like if you're that fucking good you can really do it all I actually almost prefer her more in this mode at this I point. absolutely I think that like a good midpoint is probably postcards from the edge like that's my favorite street performance I still haven't seen that what? Needle. I'm sorry. That's criminal. Sorry, True. I think it's my favorite street movie and my favorite street performance. And I and I like her a lot. But like this to I've me. I've never seen Sophie's Choice. I just don't no, at this point don't. feel like I need to. I'm fine with that. I know what it is. Do you, what's should... the, what choice does she make? So you don't know. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know, I guess. It's her baby I... and something else. Right? Yeah. They're like, which baby, which kid do you want to die? Which kid do you want to die? <laughs> Isn't that the question? Isn't that what it is? Isn't it like the Holocaust? And they're like, which kid do you want us to kill? That's a I, movie? Sophie's <laughs> Choice. You don't even know what Sophie's Choice is. <laughs> I know. Wait, okay. It's Alan J. Pakulo's. I never said I did. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I feel like Kramer versus Kramer kind of takes over her career. Like, I think that's that what she, she just... won supporting for, right? She won yeah. for Kramer versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice. And, and I do like adaptation. Oh, yeah. I like a lot of her performances. I just think that, like, here she's sort of able to, like, predict why we make fun of Gwyneth Paltrow now. Wait, what about Gwyneth Paltrow? She's goopy. Like, her character is very goopy. <laughs> she's goopy. She's goopy. That's how everyone describes I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow. Also, she's goopy. <laughs> I mean, I just do think that this movie is able to, like, encapsulate how narrow it is is and especially was to have like an identity as a woman it's just like yeah you're either this or you're this and you should be good at everything and hot women should just like be hot forever and it's it's like this movie really understands that like if you have more time i.e you don't have kids you can like shave your legs and do laundry and do other things it really understands that like housework is work like the domestic space Mm. is a, a complete job where, where I think it like does set off to be like a movie about two women fighting. I think that the way that it ends like shows up enough for me to like feel good about liking it as like a pretty, it's not even like a dark comedy because a movie where men lose is to me like the brightest star in the sky. <laughs> he's, he's a big loser. Okay. He's just, such a good big loser. Before we move forward, I just want to say that yes, Sophie's, Sophie's choice. choice. She is she goes to Auschwitz and she's forced to choose which one of her children would be gassed and which would go to a labor camp. They let people make those kind of I, decisions. I did not know. I was gonna say that I you didn't know. That's almost like another form of torture. So Definitely. maybe they did, because maybe they were like, you know, it'd be really fucked up if we made it. Because if choose. we maybe um, we should watch Sophie's choice. <laughs> it'd be fun Jay to Pakula. do a he's a great director. 
a, a rotten rewind after dark where we like watch movies that are like holes for us you know like that one cool. we should definitely do our first live watch with our uh, <laughs> highest patrons for sophie's choice who do you think she's gonna choose <laughs> um yeah that and schindler's list are like the you know those are like the fucking holocaust those are the holocaust those are the uh, damn she's been nominated oh, i always forget she's been nominated for like 20 oscars okay also go off it's crazy that she won for the iron lady it is okay another okay why i like desperately seeking susan so much is that like i think that that movie for being like as poppy and commercial as it is is explicitly about the female gaze like it is about like what it is to look at another woman and i think that the way that their identities like synthesize is so incredible and i think that like this movie has in common with that, like what it is to look at another woman and like Roseanne Barr's character at the beginning of the movie does just really admire the Meryl Streep character. There's like a chasm that separates them and then it becomes toxic. But I think that like it is a continuation of this idea that she has with Desperately Seeking Susan. And it's such a bummer to me that this wasn't received very well because I actually think that like it's a great idea and it's just like continuing something that she's like occupied with in the same way Christopher Nolan gets to be occupied with whatever dudes are occupied about like time and dead wives I don't even know like I don't care um, they're just trying to get back to their dead wives. they're just trying to get back to their dead wives. they're just wife guys but their wives are dead <laughs> they're the ultimate wife guys they can't move on from being wife guys <laughs> did you like this movie Max I did like it. I was a little, I think my expectations were really high because of how much I like, love, desperately seeking Susan, okay. Susan in Smithereens. So I liked it more in the second half, for sure. Me too. I think the I second, think the second half, half is much stronger. My biggest problem with this mm. movie is I don't think Roseanne Barr is good enough to be in this movie. Yeah. I don't think you can uh, put Roseanne Barr in a scene with Meryl Streep. Part of me was wondering if I was and like. And you rarely do. But. <laughs> Because I'm a, someone must have known, like, well, we can't do that. I don't think she's up for the task. Okay. I don't think she's there yet. I don't think that, I think that whatever that droll. Do you think that she ever got there? Oh, yeah. I think she's there now. She's ready. My girl, <laughs> my girl is ready to go. Let's get her up there. She's going to be, she's going to have her comeback. <laughs> Come on, girl. <laughs> uh, you ready for the big list? I agree with that, but I do think that, like, and it sucks because I do think it's a lot of just about like her body. But I think that like at the time we had to like she's depict she's she's like like Ursula or something in Little Mermaid. She has to be. I I think that she, the problem is that I okay so I don't even necessarily know if she's bad in it. I think she's doing what she does. I think that she's. I yeah. think she's miscast. My issue was in the beginning. I think the struggle I had with it, it was like, okay, I understand this guy's a piece of shit, but yeah. like I was struggling to understand. I was like, why did he marry her in the first place? Mm -hmm. He seems to be a pretty vain. They mentioned it during dinner. I think that they get pregnant really. Yeah, early. no, I understand that. But like he stays with her for a while. They have multiple kids. I think I, he stay with, stays with her because she's smarter than him. And she like does all this stuff. I don't know like if you think she's smarter. I think that he just likes that she's basically his maiden babysitter. Yeah, he know. takes care of the, she takes care of the, I understood that. No, no, I understood that. You think I just, it should be Kathy Bates? Kathy Bates would have made more sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm like, I think you I just need think... someone who was on the level. I think the problem was that that character's so droll because of Roseanne. That I've, it felt like she zapped some energy from the movie at times mm -hmm. where I was like, I just want this to be a little more on Meryl Streep's level. And like, I know that's 
obviously hard for a lot of people like, to get to, yeah. but like, I think her and Ed Begley are so fucking good. And I think Susan Seidelman has like the right idea. I think the biggest mistake is casting Roseanne. And it seems like stunt casting at the time because she's like an up and coming comedian at the time. She has this sitcom that's taking off. It'd be like if they were like, we go out fucking Whitney Cummings. That's not off. But uh, maybe 10 years ago, Whitney Cummings, not now. I think that Roseanne's fine here because she more has to be like representative for like, a funhouse mirror of what femininity is, whereas like the Meryl Streep character is like a face filter that you put on yourself on Instagram. Like they're just like two different halves. The way that Roseanne gets so angry, it feels cathartic for me, you know? Like, so like, yeah, she's not as good as fucking Meryl Streep, but it doesn't bother me that much. I'm not expecting her to be that good. I think it's more that she's... I think she comes into it more in the second half when she's actually getting revenge. I think. Oh she, yeah, when she's getting revenge, she understands it. When she's yeah, you're right. I when think she's she like understands the assignment in the second half, but I don't think she's a good enough actress to play somebody who's like that's a complicated character. And I don't think Rose Amber is a complicated. I don't think she understands the complexity of the character enough as an actress to give you what it needs. Okay. And again, I don't know who plays that part because obviously there's not a lot of women that are in Hollywood that are mm-hmm. given parts like that, that that look the way that Roseanne did at that time. You know, I mean, someone who I think could do it, but I think that she was too young at the time is someone like Margaret Cho. I think that Margaret Cho does really right, get but that would also bond. add yeah. like a fine, whole fine, other fine, level sure to it. it would, but um, I do think that like, she's able to be like capital U ugly in in a way that. Sure. Can feel cathartic to women because like there is something about Roseanne's performance that like even though I obviously dislike her as a person now, it just felt like just deciding that you don't care anymore. Like you just don't give a shit. And so I kind of like that. Sure. And also all the mean things that she does are scripted so well that it rocks. Taking the mom out of the old folks home. She's great. Dropping the kids off forever. rocks. Those kids are so fucking annoying. I would be so happy to get rid of those kids. I, f- I mean, I felt similarly about Roseanne's performance. I felt at times that it w- I felt a little bit like she was in sitcom mode a bit, mm. you know, like there yeah. was just some, there was a different energy to her performance than some of the other people. And so I think on that level, I really wanted to like it more because it's like, you're really rooting for that character and that situation because the husband and the kids are so terrible and she's right. so obviously being taken advantage of. And it's, for me, it was like, I, I really wanted to to root for her. And I did, it just like, I felt a distance from that character that I wish wasn't there. It would have made it a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. I love when she sets up that whole community of women that are just like women yeah. that society threw away. Like, I think that is so understated and interesting that I just like fucking love it. Like, like these are just like women that would like destroy people's lives. And I think that's so no, fucking it's great. Cool. And it's about yeah. like that, like resume gap. Like, I think that this movie is ahead of its time in a lot of ways. And because of that, it doesn't like double down in a way that so many films now are like self-congratulatory. Like this movie feels like it's just like getting by on the skin of its teeth. It feels like it knows that it has to cast who it casts to like get made. And it is also like really subversive. I mean, Desperately Seeking Susan is like one of the most subversive movies I think ever, like starring like two big, big actors, because like there's like a whole subplot about how like a character can't make another character come like it's it's a wild movie. This movie is like that. 
and it's but it's about like male impotence in like a more covert way like it is about how like he's like basically worthless and I think that like the really incredible thing that it does towards the second act is like even though the Meryl Streep character is a villain I guess in a lot of ways in the first act like she doesn't become the hero but she becomes like a really sympathetic character you realize that like the Meryl Streep character yeah you realize that like she's lying about her age so she can be more successful like she is dicked around by her editors like it gives her a lot of life towards the second act and I do agree like at the end of the day she becomes a more interesting character than our lead but I kind of like that about the film that it's able to like what I thought was squicky the first time I watched it it was like I was scared that it was just going to be about like there's this one and there's this one and that there's going to be no intertwining. And I really do like that, like by the end, their identities are more fully braided together. And it is kind of about how like your attractiveness as a woman for men is about your availability and like kind of how much money and time you have, because if you have more money and time, you can get your nails and hair done, you know? And he immediately just assumes that like the second he starts like putting his dick in her, that she can do the laundry now and stuff. It Her is doing the laundry with Clorox is so funny. It is so funny. But to me, this she movie puts is so much bleach in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie about female labor. Like it really reminds me of like there's a lot of critical theory written about the price of right and how it's like an actually like incredible show because that's like one of the first like pop culture objects that was able to identify that like the woman's place in a home is valuable and that like men are actually stupid when it comes to these kinds of things. And this movie like really sort of like carbonates that for me. I, I, I love all that about it. I think that's, I think it's such an interesting movie and obviously overlooked in a lot of ways because of that. I think it literally just is that one fatal flaw that just kind of yeah brings down parts of it for me. And, or I guess like, because like I said, I went in with these high expectations. I, I was maybe expecting something different from Roseanne. And then again, I was like, I never watched the show growing up. So I was like, I don't really have any reference for Roseanne as an actress. Oh, okay. I like truly have no, w- was she in other movies? I mean, she must have been, but I mean, I, think I it's, don't remember seeing her in other movies, but that doesn't mean she wasn't. No, yeah, I guess the big Roseanne Barheads. I grew up when I, you know, Nick, Nick at night, I like watched a bunch of Roseanne with, I eventually like came to it. I don't know how old I was, probably single digits or like 10 years old, something like that. And so I was into the show Roseanne. Oh, duh. She's one of the voices in Look Who's Talking. Oh, I don't know. There you go. That's what's the, besides what you just talked about, which are all really like interesting aspects of the movie that make it, I think, more interesting than a lot of critics gave it credit for at the time. But also the fact that like Meryl Streep is good enough to take a character that could be a caricature and Mm -hmm. really the way that she's able to gain our sympathies, I think by the end of the movie and what she does with it is so fucking great. Like especially yeah, towards she's the end, when she's a sexy a, character that's forty. It's like, also yeah, and that was right after I never saw it, but I guess there was a whole thing about that movie out of Africa that oh, Sidney yeah. Pollack didn't want to cast her because he didn't think that she was sexy enough for the part, and then she auditioned and like blew him away. So it was like an actress as good as Meryl Streep, who's looked at as being like the greatest actress of all time in some respects, is continuously throughout you know the eighties having to prove herself even though she's looked at as the best it's like she wins Mm -hmm. an oscar and she's she wins two oscars in the 80s is nominated almost like every other fucking year and they're like you're not sexy enough no you're not funny you can't play this part and then she continuously is able to prove everybody wrong so even though there's like a fatigue with meryl streep today i think like i definitely experienced it. i know that watching don't look up recently which we talked about for the podcast a few months ago i don't like her in it because i think that she's 
I like that Soderbergh thing that she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that was like. Yeah, that was to me closer to her early, earliest career. Like I really enjoyed her in that. Obviously, I think she's very capable. Sometimes, yeah, I think fatigue is the right way to put it. Like I just, but then it's like you're reminded of how great she is at certain things, and you're like, oh yeah, you're fucking amazing. I think it's like probably the same way that an actress like Amy Adams is seemingly mm-hmm. really hungry for a fucking Oscar to the point that she's making really bad movies. And you're Does like, she not have one yet? No. Just give no, her they don't want to give her and Bradley Cooper an Oscar for some reason. They just don't want to give it to him. I think because they know that they want it really bad. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like they'll both get one eventually. Oh, yeah. Um, it'd be weird if they did. But maybe for the wrong movie. But yeah. Um, yeah, I love also the Meryl Streep just has so many great moments in the second half when she's giving herself a facelift in the mirror and smiling at herself mm-hmm. is so fucking funny. When she returns as a more feminist author, yeah. it's also very funny. <laughs> she I just don't think this movie makes a, exists today. Like, <laughs> no, I, it's funny because a lot of it is so ahead of its time and could easily work today in this climate but like oh when she has the gummy bear in her hair and they're like what's in your hair and she's casually like oh it's a gummy bear just eats it mm-hmm. like i was just a nanny and that is how tired you feel like it looks exhausting yeah and her butler is okay he's a great little addition love the butler i love him saying hey maybe your butler but i'm not the maid and just fl- falling mm-hmm. off of his little uh pool floaty it was great i think that this movie for me is like great because I think that this movie understands that like part of my female identity is like at my worst and my greatest fear is that like I kind of know that like the most grotesque thing on earth is myself like I don't think that men know that about themselves it's like really the most abhorrent thing on earth is looking at themselves and I do think that like the way that specifically Seidelman is able to like reflect the female gaze onto itself is so subversive but also just like it's telling i feel seen but i also it almost i mean it's a male director but like this movie in some ways is kind of like her smell to me where i'm like wow i I relate to it and i think that i might be the bad guy and those will always be the movies that i find the most interesting what what's wrong in your hair oh (sighs) the gummy bear so Tell me how much you love my new novel and how much money we're going to make. (laughs) I don't know what to say, Mary. We extended deadline after deadline, waiting patiently for your manuscript. Then you give us something called love in the rinse cycle. I mean, you don't love it? Mary, the love scenes are wonderful, but your heroine has two children and a husband named Bob. I don't understand it. And darling... What is this whole chapter on laundry? It's a metaphor. A what? A metaphor. Women always get stuck with the laundry. My readers will identify. So this movie has a 40% and a 48% audience score. Um, Wow, really? I think the reason this movie also bombed is because, do you know what movie it opened on the same exact weekend as? I'm not good at dates. The War of the Roses. Oh, <laughs> I don't know who programmed those movies to come out on the exact same weekend, but that is fucking stupid. Hal Lipper, the Tampa Bay Times, Hal Lipper said no. she devil is insipid. It is a hustle bustle comic fantasy that insists on shoveling forced humor down viewers throats. The movie is devoid of charm. TV Guide magazine said 
Seidelman has, has succeeded in making a so's ear out of a silk purse. Walden's novel is witty, wacky, and wonderfully way out. The film is none of those things. The problem lies with Barr in the pivotal role of Ruth. Once the part was hers, the whole script had to be rewritten around her monotonous delivery and limited acting ability, much to the detriment of the plot. Not wrong. Did you read the book? No. Apparently it was a really popular book at that time. I guess Um, these are both of the movies today are based on other properties that I haven't read. (laughs) That's right. Another Hal, Hal Henson, uh, the Washington Post, said the movie's message is murky and out of whack. Seidelman's style of comedy trashes everyone. The movie's jokes, which cover everything from dead rodents to geriatric incontinence, are cartoony, sour, misanthropic. And the flukiest thing is that they're misogynistic, too. It's hard to imagine that a Hmm. man could have been as ruthlessly cold-blooded as Seidelman has been about Ruth's unattractiveness. The network of women workers that Ruth establishes to help her nail her husband runs on pettiness and rancor. It's a coalition of resentment. And she-devil Seidelman divides the world of women between the envied and the envious. She has a message for the roofs of the world, and it's not a pretty one. She tells them that the best they can hope for is payback. That's why I like it. <laughs> it. That was really a list of why I like it. Interesting. Roger Ebert likes this movie. Raj, Raj came through. He said Barr could have made an easy, predictable, and dumb comedy at any point in the last couple of years. Instead, she took her chances with an ambitious project, a real movie. It pays off in that Barr demonstrates that there is a core of reality inside her TV persona, core of identifiable human feelings like jealousy and pride, and they provide a sound foundation for her comic acting. He liked Roseanne. I'm assuming all of our MVPs is Meryl Streep. Unless it's Seidelman, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, you got to give it to Meryl. She's like perfect for the part of a romance novelist. Also, she looks so perfectly airbrushed all the time already. Mm-hmm. And also shout out to Ed Begley and his hair. Great hair. He's his really hair is good when he doesn't there. understand that he's a bad guy. Yeah. And also like when he only becomes a good guy because he's been in jail. That is men. <laughs> That's he's, boys. I'm going to say this is a cult classic because I do think it has a huge cult following. Maybe I would like it more on a second viewing. Maybe my yeah. expectations were too high for it. It definitely has the, the vibes for a cult classic, so... I'm surprised this doesn't get screened more. Me too. And that's why I'm actually going to say that for me, it is a misunderstood masterpiece. I do think it's better on a second watch. Yeah. I think that like once you're able to like not see Roseanne anymore, some of the other things that it's doing, it's like a magic eye. It's like you can look look at it in a different way and you're like, oh, I see a whale now. So for me, this is a this I'm is sure a I'll like it more a second time. I, I is... think this movie is very, very good. And no. I think that for anything that like, I think that it's really hard to depict female rage in Hollywood without coming across as hokey, without breaking a mirror or cutting your hair short as a hot girl. But this, <laughs> this movie doesn't do that. Yeah, I like that. I, I really, really love that about the movie. I think that it's sort of like singular for what it's doing. And so for me, it is a misunderstood masterpiece. All three of the little trilogy that I just named. I guess Desperately Seeking Susan has been adopted into the mainstream. But to me, those three movies are about how frustrating it is to be a woman. And then once we get to making Mr. Right, which will screen someday here, it's more about like how it's impossible to like be the person that you want to be as a woman and then also have the partner that you want because men are horrible. And so I do think that they're a complete little set. I personally think that blowjobs are like an extremely delicate thing. Like if you're ranking them on a scale of one to 10, one being I'm blowing at kisses and 10 being I'm, you know, choking. What would merit a 10? I don't know, you're like on an airplane. You're going to a wedding, sitting next to some dude you're never gonna see again. Two more. Sure. 
are you going to get through the next 12 hours? <laughs> Jenna brought cookies! Oh, my God. Let's use our indoor voices, though. Oh, about it. Katie and Jenna seem a little... <laughs> oh, we're in the circus. Oh, my God. Tell me she can still wear that. What are you doing? I'm matching the thread color to the dress. You know what? Knowing stuff like that does not make you guys cool. It makes you amazing, gorgeous, incredible. God bless me with perfect tits. It's only right that people should know that. Busted. It's like you guys caught us en route to a gentleman's club. No females without a male escort. What? Kidding me? That's some homophobic, sexist shit right there. How do you know that we're not lesbians? We want to check out some All right, down hot the street. titties. No, 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 no. I lost the wedding dress. Regan? No, I didn't. Sir, sir, I will suck your dick <clears throat> if you get us there in two Look, minutes. I, I, I think we might be meant for each other. Not Scratch kidding. that. This guy will suck your dick. No, what happened to it? Tell me. Tell me. But that's just like a like a little blood and semen. To me, this is like kind of a surprising rotten movie. I don't know why. Maybe I just like don't get it. But it is starring Kirsten Dunst, Issa Phils Fisher. Isla. Her, God Isla. Damn. Why does she have that S there? It's silent. Oh, why didn't I? That's a silent girl. I've it's like it's like island. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that helps a lot. Island. That helps a lot. That helps. Island. A lot. I never knew that. Lizzie Kaplan, Rebel Wilson, as a little friend group. Rebel Wilson is obviously her body shape is different than the other three skinny white women's body, but she is the first person to get engaged, and that kind of causes a little friend group to go into a tizzy. And I think that like something that's unpronounced, but on its tip of its tongue, which is to me what makes this movie kind of interesting, is that the other three women's identity seems to be thrown into a sunder because they can't really understand why this woman's, I guess, sexual capital is worth more than theirs. And it takes place like over at 24 hours during a bachelorette party, but also the eve of the wedding in the midst of their like kind of like coke addled party. The three members that I just mentioned, tear the bride's dress and are kind of on an all-night bender slash mission to get it repaired. It's kind um, of after hours meets, not a rom-com, but like... Yeah, and it has the men that are the groomsmen are Adam Scott oh, as uh, Lizzie Kaplan's ex who got her pregnant when they were in high school. And then James Marsden and Kyle Bornheimer. Those are the boys this movie is barely, barely rotten. It's a 57%, but it does have a 34% audience score. Wild to me. That just shows how much people hate women. It does, because okay. it's like... Okay, she went there. I did. I did go there. I honestly think that this movie, the same concept if you just made it men Thank instead you. of women would be like beloved. Oh, they could have killed they've already someone. Done. Yeah, they've already... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they could murder a whore and it would be fine. You, you yeah, know, they oh, made yeah. that movie. It's all very bad things. I, that's what I was going to... It's just like... And again, like, why I like this pairing with She-Devil is that, like, I think Kirsten Dunst encapsulates it the most. Whereas I think that, like, Kaplan and Isla Fisher, I don't think that they've processed why they're angry yet. But Kirsten Dunst's character gets it. And she's yeah. fucking pissed. But she's also the one trying to hold it together like the first time i watched this movie i think that i related to kaplan's character more because she's like i don't know probably 
I don't know what she is, but she she's feels... She's a little more droll and kind of, you know, she's a Lizzie she's Kaplan lost. character. She's, yeah. I, and th- Kirsten's is mean. And now, as an older person, I relate to Kirsten's character so much more. Just well, like, well, she's more, this. she has more of an awareness of her misery. She's smarter in that way. And she kind of knows how to turn it on and off when she needs to. Mm-hmm. And the other two are a little more unfiltered, but she likes, she is still trying to keep up the appearance of having some sort of and it's making her or, uh, or uh, you know successful life in some way. And it's making her like untangled and nasty. And part of that that image is is also having like the row of bridesmaids next to you when you do yes. that, right? And so she's yeah. maintaining these relationships. They are all very different and one of the things I like most about this was the portrayal of those relationships that you've had for a while and that you might have even outgrown in Mm -hmm. some ways. And then there's these kind of social obligations and where we draw the line with certain people like that we keep around, even though maybe they're awful to us. Like she's not really the best friend to Rebel Wilson at a lot of the times. And then on the other hand, she's also like planning her wedding and doing an enormous amount to make sure that she does have a good wedding. So it's like this really mixed bag. And I would say that she's a great friend to Isla Fisher. Mm -hmm. I also think that this movie does the best job at portraying um, an eating disorder in a way that I think is like, that doesn't define the, the her character, but it's an important thing about her character and like not to jump ahead too far, but like that scene that you get at the end where she's having to like save Isla Fisher by doing the thing that she was like making herself sick with forever is I think that like w- one of like the sweetest scenes ever uh, right. between two women. And then when like the male character is like, like you look like you're hurting her and she's like, I've done this to myself forever. I think that like that is like one of like the saddest lines in a comedy ever and she sells it so 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 well i think that everyone is like really dialed here too i don't think that there is a wonky wheel in this no i was gonna say i noticed i was like everyone is really good in this i think that everyone is really well cast and gets it like i was just like the whole time i was like i don't know who the mvp of this movie is i think everyone's really fucking good in it yeah as i said i think in the last time when we talked about that we were going to talk about this this is the only movie we'll probably ever cover on this podcast where i have done a scene from it from the play were you the adam scott character no i was actually joe the oh really the guy who sleeps with isla fisher because in the play it's a little only good guy yeah it's like a little different in the in the play where obviously it's different it's more subdued to the hotel it's basically the pool scene but they're in the hotel room and he's trying to get her he's basically just trying to get her to sit up and to stay up because Mm -hmm. she keeps throwing up and she keeps trying to fuck him and he's like i really don't want to fuck you like i like i like you but you're you're so drunk right now like i can't do this and she's kind of just starts harassing him about it and like kind of talking shit to him and then just gets really sick. But it's basically that scene. It's a little more like it, it's it's much more extended, obviously. But it was a really fun play to work. Like I really I think that's one of the, the strongest play. scenes. I mean I think that this movie is kind of built on a lot of strong small scenes. If anything yeah. is like an older person, the romances, if you want to call them that, that I'm le- that I'm least obsessed with now that I think that the movie really like wants you to be is the Kaplan Scott one. Like if anything, I'm like, ah, he's a piece of shit and she should move on. I think that the Isla Fisher what however you say his last name i think that that one's really sweet i think that like that scene that is, is the so, best romantic she really doesn't understand why someone would like not take advantage of her and yeah, she's like i'm not used to she literally says like i think i might be stupid i think like she really delivers that line i think yeah. she's incredible in this she I, is. I, I wish yeah. that she did 
more i feel like i just don't really see maybe i'm not watching the things that she's best performance i think that she i was really obsessed with this movie and i um watched a lot of interviews with the cast and i think that she also understands i think that everyone understands the movie too but i like fisher gave, gave this like great interview like this person was interviewing her and they were saying like do you think that like katie's actually smart but she's like not given the chance and isla fisher was like no i think that she could have been really good at something but i think that she let that ship sail and she's not smart and she's never going to be smart and the person kept pushing her and she's like i think my character's dumb like and she was like basically like i don't think that that makes my character a bad person or unlikable but like no i think she's dumb and i don't think there's anything wrong with that and like i think that she gives that to her performance it's like she plays a dumb person but as an actress, she does not judge that person's like no i think she's in the same category as like anna ferris i think they both i think that she does something good at navigating those characters where it's like they still feel like human beings they don't actually feel like caricatures I think they have a really good understanding of like the where the place that those characters operate out of, you know, that they are genuinely just like kind of trying to have a good time and trying to go along and trying to figure things out. And there is like a very there's like a gentleness, I think, that they bring to those characters because they understand that. Yeah, just because you're stupid doesn't mean you're like completely incompetent you know what i mean like yeah and just because you're like the bitch of the group doesn't mean that you're not a great friend like she's a bitch like she's a bitch to the james marston character but he also deserves it well no i actually think that relationship works because i me too because don't come on my dress don't come on my dress is incredible and also he's (laughs) fucking her in a bathroom and says shut the fuck up cunt while fucking her but there's like an understanding between yeah they just say fuck you to each other they know exactly what they're getting out of this he knows exactly out of the front of he's like that's the one i'm gonna go for he knows exactly what he wants yeah he he's so good wants. here he's great again james marston can't think of Bronx. a bad james marston performance he's always that sex it. scene i think is like one of the best sex scenes though of the last it does is this movie 10 years old yet it is this is the 10th anniversary of okay i would yeah. say that this like that to me is like one of the best sex scenes of the last 10 years because i think that it's so it's not real but it's like able to like in the same way that like a very like pillowcase and silhouetted sex scene is able to like convey what it's like to have really good sex as an idea same with this it's like it's no it's this like this quick and dirty definitely gets out of meaningless drunk sex that is great in the moment and you're just like i'm moving on with my life after this yeah and like <laughs> that's what i love about the movie too is like they don't need to hook up at the end that was just no i love and that she also too. has an, an off-scaring boyfriend and we don't judge her for that the joe character i i don't remember fuck how i interpreted that fucking character when i read it but in this i felt like they wanted seth rogan and they got this guy who is good uh call it Barnheimer. I, I haven't seen oh. a lot of other things the character in this version of it reads like a seth rogan who's like i'm a nice guy i just want to smoke pot i don't know what to tell you he has that whole kind of You're neurotic right, energy about it say that, yeah. not that there's a problem with it but it feels like they just got that guy because they couldn't get seth rogan but it also very, feels like they good. spent their money on their uh, on their female leads and i think i'm that- assuming everybody took a massive pay cut for this it costs three million it's i'm assuming everybody just wanted to work on this because they like the character so much also i think leslie yeah. headland is just i think that she knows a lot of people from being a playwright she knows like actors are going to know that she's going to get a good performance out of them i didn't really like this very much 10 years ago when i saw it and i think it was because i had just read the play and, I, really, and I, I did like the play a lot i think and i still maintain the play is better but Hi. most fucking plays are i think it's her first movie. 
I haven't seen Sleeping with Other People yet. I still, I, I do want to watch Sleeping it. I've heard it's really people. good. I want to watch I it. I love it. I, I think it gets so many tiny detailing, right? That like things that have appealed to like masser audiences. I like Russian Doll. It's not, but it's not specifically female. I think that, oh, like, that's right. She did her, create Russian Doll. Okay. This yeah, is yeah, her meanest her. thing. And I, and I like her mean. Oh, I like that. And I think yeah. it's, she's a great writer. And I think that the thing that works is, with her as a director is that she, I don't know if another director gets as good a performances out of the cast even though everyone's already a naturally good actor you don't really have to do much except give them the dialogue and let them do their thing but like this is such a fucking stupid thing to say about this movie in particular i swear i'm not trying to sound like an asshole i just think if it didn't look like a sitcom it would be so much better fine that doesn't bother me at all i know it doesn't i just think that if there was like a little bit more just any type of visual flair something like give me a little something but i think that's always the problem with adapting a play yeah you can dress them up as much as you can but sometimes you just can't get past the fact that like no this is for the stage this is not meant to be expanded i think she does a good job on the page of expanding it i think that she just either needed like somebody else with her behind the camera to like bring some sort of more life to it to the only enduring thing about something as bad as like the hangover movies Mm. is that as much as I fucking hate to admit it, because Todd Phillips is oh, like an asshole, director. she's a good visual director. Fine. He has a good eye for shit. And so, like, that's what makes, I think, his movies mm. a little more digestible is that I'm like, okay, well. To I, me, like, I hate he these fatigues people, me so good. much that oh, I don't he sucks. care. He sucks. I so think that's almost, all. Like, is put the camera in the dirt and have them pulling <laughs> these women, and I would just always have a better. No, time. sure, and that's fair. And like I said, I know that like that's a particular thing for me where I'm just like, oh, I just wish yeah. this had a little bit more going on behind the camera. That's all for me. Um, what I don't understand about Headland in general is that like I am willing to be happily surprised, but I was really bummed that the director of Obvious Child got the rights to the Pisces. Because to me, she's like oh, kind of yeah. conventional and not weird and not mean. And I was like, fuck, to me, that feels like a natural, like a Melissa Broder, Leslie Headland feels like t- just to me, like I would fucking be over the moon. I thought that was like such a good match. And I, I don't think that Headland like necessarily wanted it, but I was like, fuck, can they work right. together someday? Like, I don't, I just think that there isn't someone who's like been able to capture female rage Again, like in Hollywood with Hollywood actors in a really long time. And I think that like she gets it here. She gets it. And I think that like she has a strong cast, but she does pull something from them that I don't think a lot of people could. It's like what you were saying, Casey, about how it's about these relationships that you wouldn't necessarily like maintain now, but they've existed for so long. I also think that it's about how like, well, when you're around a certain group of people, like you become your previous. Self oh, yeah, that's like totally they're like almost like time portals. And then you just start being or I start being like shittier. Like, oh, for you know sure. When, I- when you're around people from your past <laughs> like that and it brings out. It's like you like sometimes the worst in you, and like yeah, if I get together former versions, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if I was to get together with guys I used to hang out with in high school, like for sure I would slowly probably transition back into that state of mind. Because even like the male versions, like counterparts of like a movie like this, are so surface level. Yeah, it became the Apatow effect of like, oh, we're gonna make like a sensitive male comedy, but it's like, but it's kind of gay, right? You know, it's like that. (laughs) There's like this undertone. It's like like these women. Don't seem like sexually attracted at all to one another. They just have like this really deep friendship that I don't even sure. call like sister like because I also think that like that undersells like how specific their friendship is. Again, like I want to drive home. Like I think that like the bulimia subplot line is so incredible about how like Rebel Wilson and Kirsten Dunst's character made friends because 
Rebel Wilson in high school pretended that she was the one that was bulimic, not Kirsten Dunst. And then people made fun of her for not being able to even be bulimic right. And right. I think that like that is so specifically female. And it's like, and when Kirsten Dunst says when she's caught throwing up again and someone says like, I thought you stopped doing that. And she just, she's an addict. Like, she's like, I just wanted to do it this one time to like, to feel better, to feel good. I understand that. Like in pandemic, like a lot of people that suffered, suffer from body dysmorphia, bulimia, like eating disorders, like fell back. Like we took some steps back because it was like such an isolating time. And I don't think that there are that many movies that can still be like as fun and as quippy and that you like want to relate to that character because they're not pitiful, but like still puts that out there. And I think that like, I love Russian doll. I think it's a really good artifact, but at the end of the day, like I think this movie is so much more specific. Like it's a sharper diamond. I think that like, that is what this movie is about. It's like, it's about how like, as a woman, these women feel Kirsten Dunn's character specifically feels like she has subjected herself to the right kind of rigmarole and exercises that it takes to be a woman that's like worth capital. And then someone else got it, even though they were doing all the wrong things. And I don't think that this movie hates Rebel Wilson. So I think that like this movie and She Devil have like an inverse relationship. Sure. I think Rebel Wilson is also really good here. It's funny She's that really we've talked here. about two movies. I don't, usually like Rebel Wilson, but the two movies we've talked about in the series, I think she's really good. And I also really like her in, um, like a, as a leading role, what's some kind of like quasi musical cats. No, the quasi musical that she did. Cats. Cats. Yeah. You're right. That could still be cats. You're thinking of cats. Isn't it romantic? Are you thinking of pitch perfect? No, 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 no. Listen, you too. I think it's called, isn't it? I think it's called cats. (laughs) You guys are bullies. Oh my God. Hold on. Rebel Wilson. No, I'm looking it up. You fuck face. Oh, Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's called, isn't it romantic? No. It's 2019. Hold on. No, it's called, it's called cats. (laughs) It's called cats. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it romantic is a good movie. I do love Kirsten Dunst's line, which said, I did everything right. I went to college. I exercise. I eat like a normal person. Who has she, the line? I don't understand anything anyone is talking about most of the time. Is that I love Fisher? Fisher. Yeah. Okay. No, yes. I think that's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand anything <laughs> she anyone means is it. talking about most. Yes, yeah, she does. And then she has another scene where she's like, I swear to God, if I'm still working retail in five years, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And no one's paying attention to her. And she's like, no, I'm, ki- I'm not kidding, guys. I'm going to kill. That's how I feel. <laughs> yes, it's very. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no one's paying attention. And then when she so she takes pills and drinks and almost dies. Um, but at first when Kirsten Dunst encounters her, she's like, she does this every weekend. <laughs> yeah. And I believe that. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's no. like this bitch is self-medicating. Yeah. I also like when Lizzie Kaplan first runs into Adam Scott at the wedding and she sees the girl that he's with and she says, is that why you're trying to fuck a small child? Yeah. I love Lizzie Kaplan. She's great. Me too. I like Adam she's Scott's really line. Uh, Adam Scott's great. Where he's like, Still tr- trying to fight the good fight to get pants. Like I'm like I do that. I no. I I I ultimately did. Like I like this a lot more this time. And I I actually interesting enough. Like we'll talk about it with critics in a second. But like I like the second half of this a lot more than the first half. I think of it as a complete. No, I know you do. But, but a lot yeah. of critics pointed out that when it becomes more well, they don't dramatic, like it. Yeah, they don't like it. They want it to be bridesmaids, and they find it to be too mean. Nobody should in the sink. 
I don't understand. Yeah, basically. How and am I like, supposed well, to you know what? these women? Well, yeah, that's why I think this movie is like so fucking genius because it's like no one shits in a sink, but they make each other <laughs> throw up when someone ODs because someone knows how to well, yeah, throw it's more up of a because realistic. they're bulimic. Yeah. It's like that to me is so fucking dark, but it's still funny. And then when someone's like, you have some stains or like you're 10 minutes late. She's like, well, no one planned on having to revive a bitch. <laughs> I, I think that people don't also don't like this movie because it kind of exposes. Yes. A lot of the reality behind the theater of, of marriage right. and cultural expectations. It's like the theater of like women having to act a certain way. There's a yeah. lot of this is women that you, you know, are talking in private and like that might otherwise to you look like perfect or whatever. And it's like they have more realistic conversations and they're not they're they are not actually perfect, you know, like especially Kirsten Dunn's character. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you're right. Cause it's like, yeah, the easy thing is, yeah, like the thing that's gonna be more accessible for like a male audience is yeah, like let's have the female characters do the things that male Seven characters fart. do in movies. Let her fart. Let her fart. <laughs> Let like- her rip some ass. No, but I think, yeah, it's more difficult and it's easy. It's harder for, and I think probably even some women too, to swallow like seeing a movie like this where your audience is faced with characters that are very realistically mm-hmm. flawed, where you can see yourself in them and you're like, fuck, I think I am very much like this person or I become this person or that's a part of me that I don't like but those are the most interesting characters in movies most of the time so I guess in a way then I almost take I understand why it looks the way that it does in a lot of ways because I think if this movie didn't if it wasn't lit and shot the way that it was Mm -hmm. I think it would be even harder to swallow for people I think that it needs to look bright and kind of sitcom-ish to swallow, Normal. I think. Yeah, I was I was unbothered by that. But I know you I'm, were. But, I because know I'm a person were. that will watch like The Bachelor. Like that well, doesn't. Yeah, I know, but I'm not. A, I'm not watching The Bachelor. Like I wish somebody shot this better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel. Yeah. I feel like this is like in a category of movies that are usually not, in my opinion, not like very good. So it kind of looks a lot like those type of movies, mm-hmm. but it's actually good. <laughs> so Absolutely. it's like I, the visual part doesn't really bother me. The like normalcy of the look of it is totally fine to me do you yeah. know what leslie headland wrote her she went to nyu do you know what her thesis paper was on what 9-11 wow 9-11 should we get jake on here <laughs> let's get him on the museum living right now uh, he's been listening the whole time he's been listening he's, he just pops up uh, no she wrote it about a film after 9-11 and kind of oh, like no. contrasts like talking about films like fight club and how they changed how it changed fight, fight club movies. would never have happened after 9-11 no <laughs> i'm sorry no. how does it end yeah, I guess she grew up in a very religious home, and her first movies that she loved were MGM musicals and Marx Brothers. Hmm. Hmm. No. Good girl. I mean, me too. Like, I'm not I musicals, but like that's why I think that I like her so much. Is that like she's like classical, but then like like flicks it, and that's why I'm in her. I'm in her. I'm in her corner. Oh, do you believe in magic? Yes, I do. That's. Absolutely. Do you yes. believe in a magic vagina? A magic vagina. It would bewitch you with its magic. I've been bewitched by vaginas before. It's scary, actually. I think I might be stupid. Why would you say that about yourself? I don't understand anything anyone is talking about most of the time. That has nothing to do with intelligence. It's like this. There's lots of different kinds of smart, you know, and you just have to discover which smart you are. See, I, I don't understand what you just said. That's okay, neither do I.
57%. Tried to split it between some male and female critics here. Get a little both sides here. James Bardinelli, The Real Views. I don't use the words god-awful and abomination to describe a movie, preferring to reserve such terminology for extreme instances when I feel duped and morally offended. Case in point, Bachelorette. I feel duped. Morally offended. I know, it's like... Justin Chang, a variety, a very great critic, gave it a mixed review, kind of leaning negative. He said, after a promisingly funny first half, this tale of three coke-snorting gal pals trying not to screw up their friends' nuptials all but drowns in its own catty cynicism, turning as stingy with emotion and insight as it is with real lives. Chris, Chris Packham, Packham in. Chris Packham, a village voice, said, the trajectory for all four characters is toward acknowledgement of the emptiness their indulgences can't fill. It's kind of heartening that Becky has that all worked out pretty much, even if the film doesn't quite get there. The film's not about Becky. It's about all the girls. What about the wedding? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what it, you're right. Oh my God, that is. There, this is yeah. what I'm saying is this, there's this like heterosexual conspiracy that we yeah. all need to think that marriage is so perfect and everything is great and beautiful. Because yeah, it and is. Sweet, and and is it's sweet and it's a reward for you're ladies right. acting good. Yeah, you swore an oath. It's your treat drawer. You say you would if be you, my friend no matter what. You be good girl. You get married. <laughs> Come on. You get one day and then you be quiet forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, people describe their wedding days as the best day of their life. And it's like, really? Like, why? I never want the best day of my it's life so to be a day that I had to plan that much. And like, spend like 40 yeah, grand on people oh, I, know. I know to do that shit. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just fucking come because I love you and I want you to be there. But like, don't worry about it. I don't want anything. When I get married, I just want to like, when I succumb to, actually, I think it's like never going to happen. I cater a lot of weddings. So I'm always like, I'm just like, literally the more people that are there doesn't make it better. I just want cake and I can have cake. And that's, yeah, you don't have to get married to have I cake. Say, yeah, that's True. a mental cycle that I like take but myself through to every yeah. time I, yeah, but you know that's what? Not your cake. I've learned not that many people are good at buying cake. I'm a good at buying cake. I know I'm what I want. particular with my cakes. People want a beautiful cake that doesn't taste good. Beautiful you know, cakes. Just like a fucking, just like a fucking relationship. That's right. Well, apparently the thing now is they'll, they'll do like a, like a prop cake and then yeah. they'll fill it with a slice of cake that you can actually cut can into. fucking oh. believe that? See, another and thing then that's they, a waste they of take money. It, they take it in the back and then they cut up the sheet cake that they really yep. made, which what fine. a waste of money. And time. Uh, that's what a wedding is. <laughs> Wrapping up critics really quick. Mm. Mary Poles of Time said, apparently Bachelorette has been divisive with audiences either falling hard for it or walking away disgusted. I'd have fallen harder for it if I walked away more disgusted. Hmm. She said, shit in the fucking sink or get the fuck out. Hmm. <laughs> Where's the shit? <laughs> Where's the poopy? There's no poopy in movie. Amy Biancoli, Biancoli of San Francisco Chronicle said, Headland works hard to reconcile the wild and the tame. If she never quite gets the balance right, yeah, gotta admire her bold juxtaposition of overdose, res- uh, resuscitation gags with lessons on self-loathing and bulimia. And then Allison Wilmer of Movie Line said, sometimes funny, sometimes shrill, and wildly uneven. Bachelorette demonstrates film and television continuing continuous struggle to provide a platform for funny women in the realms of R-rated comedy and the tug-of-war between the desire to push boundaries and fears about likability. Dana Stevens of Slate gave it a... Mixed review said Bachelor places a trio of women front and center who are irredeemably loathsome. It's kind of refreshing, at least until a conventional third act redemption undercuts some of the movie's sharpest insights and funniest jokes. Wesley Morris of the Boston Globe said, for women who find the film grim, I imagine that's because part of it feels true and rare in an American movie. And then finally, Guy Lodge gave this movie an A. He said Bachelor is very much its own bitter brew using the comic framework of a botched 
coke-fueled hen night to examine the stinging self-loathing exposed in three women by another's happiest day. Not a hen night. Jesus Christ. What year is it? I don't know. He's English. So what? They're like 30 years behind. They're always behind that shit. <laughs> they're behind on their fashion, their music. They still have like queens and shit. Dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. 30 years? <laughs> I still have slaves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would also recommend one of my favorite critics, uh, Chaos and Collins, wrote a retrospective on Bachelorette a few years ago for the ringer that you should read uh, called Bachelorette is the most overlooked R-rated comedy of the decade. Mm. Would highly recommend it. I would actually say the other one is maybe her other movie. Sleeping with other people is so good. I'm going to watch that. I do want to. I, I like Jason Sudeikis. So it's I, a, I it's a satisfying it. rom-com. It's a hard R rom-com that gets you wet, is really hot. I like this movie more because it feels more singular. But listen, I fucking love sleeping with other people. I did not know that she, Leslie Headland was Harvey Weinstein's assistant. Ooh, I did not know that either. And they released Bachelorette. She knew. No. Uh... <laughs> Just to top it off, Chaos and Collins, I forgot, wrote it in this piece. A bridesmaid's has poop, but you're never worried the women will actually fling it at each other. (laughs) That's the thing is, like, I feel like people are like, oh, poop, there needs to be poop. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) Someone in the theater, poop, there needs to be poop. Where's the poop? (laughs) It's like, again, like, not to drive it home, but like the bulimia narrative is the poop. Like, it's like. I hope they screen Sophie's (laughs) choice so I can sit in the theater and go, poop, where's the poop? <laughs> like, just the where, between her poop like, and her kids' men poop. and women are fucking different, and like that is a thing that, like, I mean, I know that some male identified people do too, but it's just like to me, like the expert of the movie is like exposing like how almost like universal, like starving yourself, choking yourself, mm. or, or feeling fat is, and I think that like that to me is like so much more telling than like shitting in a fucking sink. It's like, yeah. It's like the, yeah, the, the, all of the trash and excrement that it takes to be like a successful woman in our yeah, culture. It's like that's yeah. so much harder. And it's like, they're like competing with each other and, you know, yeah, throwing and it's up also and like, I'm not trying yeah. to, like, sorry, like shit on like bridesmaids. Like, I think it's a fine movie. I really like Rose Burns performance in it. She's I like it. it. I like it just fine. It's a different, they're very yeah. different. This it's is different. I think it's more, well, it's also, art. unfortunately it's the, Again, the Apatow thing where he produces yeah. these movies where he's like, let's give the ladies their time in the spotlight to shit in the sink. And then he's doing it now with the <laughs> Billy Eichner movie where he's like, now let's give it to the gays. The gays. Now the gays, they, they get They're shitting in the sink. The gays are the new women. <laughs> if there was a scene with a bunch of gay guys shitting in the sink in that movie. <laughs> this is for my scat motherfuckers. <laughs> you, you, you guys, you, this scene's going to crush because you're gay. Did you see Fire Island though? I've heard it's really Did funny. Not. I didn't see it. More than it is like a gay rom-com or a queer rom-com. For me, I'm like, this is a movie that I wanted crazy rich Asians to be. It's a it's Oh, it's Asian, Joel Kim Booster, right? Dude, it's an yeah. Asian, I love on, Asian on Asian yeah. rom-com. Like, I, I was just so fucking enamored with it. Like, that is, it's so fucking good. I'm going to watch it. So I think this is a really hard one. Who is everyone's MVP for Bachelorette? I go Isla. I'm going my, Isla too. Are we all doing my, Isla? Mine no? is also Isla Fisher. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. I don't, yeah, I was like, I think Isla, we're all you couldn't great. even pronounce her name at the beginning of this episode. I know. And now she's your fucking MVP. <laughs> Isla's, Isla's the one that brings tears to my eyes every time. Every time she's she's so the, good. she's the gut punch. Like Kirsten's great. Everyone's fucking doing what they're supposed to be doing. But Isla is the one that like really just like yeah. provokes me to cry every time. 
She's great. She should do more. She should get more. Yeah, she's just like trapped. I think that people think that her and Amy Adams look alike and that's the whole thing. And I feel like they're so different. <laughs> I know. I feel she's... like Confessions of a Shopaholic is like maybe her most. Like, Never saw it. It's not very good. She's good in it. All right. I'm glad we all had Isla Fisher. I, wow. Wow. Um, I thought you were going to put Kirsten. I thought that Casey and I were going to put Isla. Because I do feel like. Oh, no, I love Isla. That right. was, she was my biggest takeaway from this, was how fucking great okay. she was. But I do think everybody's very Everyone's good. good. Adam no Scott, James bad. Marsden, Lizzie Kaplan, yeah. Kyle James Marsden, we didn't really talk about him too much, but I Maybe thought he so was, good. I love him as a shithead. He's so good. To me. He's an actor He's that you don't, yeah, again, like we said, you don't realize it, but you're like, oh yeah, there's not a bad James Marsden performance. Mm-mm. He's Mm-mm. always good. <laughs> Final rating? I'm just going to say it's good. I think, I think it's okay. a good movie. I feel like it's, future cult classic i think i feel I like it it's really be, underappreciated yeah. movie to me and it i feel like it might be a movie that people rediscover in a decade or two hopefully not yeah. that long but it know. feels like the kind of movie that if we still if people were still discovering movies on cable like comedy central it would have just played mm-hmm. all the time and, and found an audience uh it's a masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> This is a double masterpiece. App. Like I had a moment when I was watching both of them. I was like, oh yeah, these are both like exactly my ideal movie. <laughs> he loves women. Yeah. I really found no fault with it. So, I mean, I'm like pretty, yeah, wait pretty another close 10 to being years. right there. Wait another 10 years. Yeah. Like, I know. I, I, mean, I, just, I think yeah. that this is a masterpiece and I think that it is so singular and we can't even see but, it yet. Yeah. There's like nothing wrong with it. There's I mean, aside from Max's complaints about the visual. Uh, well, the yeah, cinematography sure. wasn't very good, but... Uh, I wouldn't whatever. have put the camera in the same place as you guys. <laughs> Leslie, why'd you put the camera right here? Yeah. Listen, I'm Back, happy for women to Max tell their stories, like but that. they shouldn't be behind the camera. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have been there. I could have stopped it. That's... That's That's, that's that. If Proper, you yeah. want to watch these movies, She-Devil is available to rent on Hoopla. Hoopla. Boy, did I. Yeah. Mm. No, it yeah, was not it, on my hoopla oh, right. anymore. Are you yeah. sure it was not on your your hoopla? Yeah, I tried to look a couple nights. I rented it. Oh, it's not on hoopla anymore. It's oh, not no. on hoopla. They must have taken it off on September first because I watched it before that. Good okay, Casey. Okay, correction here. She devil, not hoopla. Your oh, hoopla. It's not going to have, there's not, it's not there. You can rent it. Uh, you can watch it on something called Pluto TV. I think mm-hmm. that is a Canadian thing. It has apps. Or not apps, commercials. Apps. It, has, it has apps. It has apps. So you can do that. Bachelorette is not streaming. You. It used to be streaming forever on Netflix. Oh, yeah. That was a movie that just lived on Netflix. No, now you got to rent it. I rented it. Next week. Two masterpieces. <laughs> yes. Yes. Next week, we are, we're talking about some ladies doing some crime. Mm-hmm. Ladies be Robin. Uh, we're talking about the 2001 cheerleader comedy, Sugar and Spice, also featuring James Marsden. As a real yeah. dumb fuck, real a dumb ass. Dumb fuck. Yeah, a really exactly. sweet dumb fuck. Really sweet dumb fuck. We also get a little Mina Suvari in there. That was her time. That was her time. That was her time. And no one can take that from her. Mm-mm. And we will also be talking about Sofia Coppola's The Bling Ring. So please join us for that. If you if you want to stay ahead, you can watch The Bling Ring on Showtime. It lives mm-hmm. and dies there. It will never leave because <laughs> A24 has a contract with Showtime. And if you want to watch Sugar and Spice, you're going to have to rent it. You had to rent it. I'm sorry. That'll be um, fun for you. But follow us on Instagram and Twitter and all the apps. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it on Patreon. So thank you so much for your subscription, for supporting the arts, for believing women, and supporting the service industry. Mm-hmm.
Thank you. Yeah. And again, Thank I'm you. still not off brunch, so we do need more subscribers. So. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Could you whisper in my ear the things you want to feel? I'll give you anything to feel it coming. Do you wake up on your own? I wonder where you are. You live with all your faults. I want to wake up where you are. I won't say anything at all. So why don't you stop?